Support for the Woj Pod comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website, choose a template you love, and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this very podcast. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their website, so create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash Woj, W-O-J, to get 10% off. Here in Phoenix with TJ McConnell, the Sixers guard at one of these pre-draft workouts. All the NBA teams are here, a bunch of college guys working out for them. TJ, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, and how are you? I'm great. So you had a great pre-draft coming out of Arizona. Did you even have – you're with Octagon, so you probably did the agent combine, right? Yes. And everybody's there, and then you're wondering, is anybody even paying attention to me? Are they even Because, like, today I'm watching, there's a lot of players here who probably aren't draftable, and it's like, it, it's kind of tough to watch because the guys, you can see them looking out of the corner of their eye, and hardly anybody's paying attention. Yeah, I know. It, it's really stressful. I kind of know what these guys are going through, and, you know, you know that thought creeps into the back of your mind because you know all these, the guys are checking the draft board, seeing if their name slips up into something, and... You know, you want to kind of have a good workout to kind of impress these guys. And I'm here to tell you, if you have a great workout, it probably doesn't matter. You just got to kind of do things the right way and, and hope the kind of chips fall where they may. And uh, that's kind of what happened with me. I mean, I thought I had a good pre-draft process and, you know, unfortunately didn't get drafted. I think some teams wanted to draft me and kind of send me overseas. But I didn't really want to start over and kind of bet on myself. And um, it worked out with the Sixers. You made the absolute right decision. Was there any part of you, though, where you're like, I just want to be able to say I was drafted, so I'll go along with that? Did you, did you have to be talked out of that at all, or you knew that was a bad idea? Yeah, so there was part of me, I'm not going to lie. I sat there, all my friends and family were around, and just watched the draft. And, you know, a part of me thought that there was a chance, you know, late second round, and, you know, Chris, my agent, would call me and say, this team wants to draft you and but just send you overseas and he didn't think it was a good move and he kind of had to talk me out of it just to not hear my name on draft night was disappointing but like you said I I definitely thought I made the right decision and I think too once you get into the second round a lot of those picks are if it's not like a European stash a player who they're just not going to bring over for a while they're going to sort of take a gamble on athleticism size maybe somebody who's not a real polished player but physically fits the profile which you probably didn't check those boxes at that time yeah uh i'm I'm gonna have to agree with you i I definitely didn't check those boxes and the thing i kept hearing from people is like when a guy like myself is sent overseas you essentially have to start over when you come back and just didn't want to do that and you know if it didn't work out from me not making the team in training camp i could live with that but having to start over, coming back from overseas, I didn't want to do that. Did you, I want to get back to your path a little bit, but losing to Toronto 
the way you guys lost in that game seven, like still pretty fresh. I mean, you still see that ball bouncing around that rim. Yeah, it's hard because you got a guy like Joe Embiid who I think could be the defensive player of the year contesting that shot. So from the view that I had, you know, it hits the front of the rim and it bounces up and I'm like, okay, we we have some free basketball. We're going to go into overtime. And then it hits the rim again and you're like, wait a minute, I'm not liking where this is going. And then it hits the other side of the rim. And then that thought creeps in your mind like, my goodness, this shot's going in. And then it falls. And then you're just like speechless. And you see a guy like Joe Embiid's reaction after the game, which is, you don't see that a lot in professional sports. And it showed, in my opinion, the opportunity that we missed. It's unfortunate, but like I said, I definitely think we should be playing uh, Milwaukee. And unfortunately, just didn't work out for us there was a lot packed into that seven game series just a lot of from the you know joel being in and out with the illness to questions about brett's future and you know there's always listen you have two big free agents three your free agent this summer jj's a free agent that's four among rotation guys and two key guys you traded for felt like there was a lot on that rim bouncing around there like for your group you guys were sort of in the center of a storm, like the local media coverage on your team is always intense. Do you feel that when you're playing in a series, or do you feel a little inoculated from it? Yeah, I'm sure there's pressure there, especially for the big, the, the main guys that we would like to have back. And But I think our team did a good job of, of not worrying about that. Um, you know, being in Philly for four years, I would like to see Tobias and Jimmy and, and JJ come back because it's fun. Like Philly basketball four years ago, we were winning 10 games and now we're game seven Eastern Conference finals and just a little bit of bad luck. It, it would be fun to see those guys back and, and, uh, kind of try to do the same thing next year. Did you, when you're sitting there in a playoff game, even if, if you're on the bench and you're watching and you, are there moments you look around at that crowd and the atmosphere and the frenzy and what it's like and go, Man, I was here when you could hear somebody having a conversation 20 rows up and we were getting our ass kicked. And I mean, do you, do you sometimes look around and go, am I in the same place? Is this the same organization? And I, I always, I always joke about this. Uh, four years ago, I think beer was, it was more than a ticket to get into the game. <laughs> and, but like I said, our fans in Philadelphia, they were there for the 10 win season. And then you look around four years later at a home playoff game in the second round and you're like this is what this is all about um the fans are unbelievable and they've stuck with us and you know it's been a great ride and i'm kind of excited to see where it goes for us when you were at the beginning of whatever the process the tanking the rebuild whatever it was all of those things and you kind of look around the court and you know enough about the business you're learning it to go we're all pretty disposable here we're here to take the hits and they want to go draft an MB to Ben Simmons, uh, whatever. When you were playing through that time, your goal was to have staying power and be there. But when you do make it through to your rotation player on a team that's now sees itself as a contender, it was even that beyond your, I would say your wildest dreams. You were in Philly. It's a lot easier to stay there once you're there. But did it feel to you like you sort of got on the other side of some tunnel? that you were sort of wandering through to be a part of where that team is now. Yeah, so I say this all the time. It's 
three GMs in my four years there. And like you said, pretty disposable like with the players that we had my first year and maybe even my second year. You know, it was stressful not knowing um, if the team's vision had me in it. And I just like to always say I can control what I can control, you know, being a great teammate and uh, just working my butt off. But I always thought of, thought of it differently. We were planning for something bigger, you know, a championship, drafting guys like Ben Simmons and, and Markel and, and all these guys that we've drafted. Um, there was always the bigger picture in mind, and that was a championship. So whatever I could do to help us achieve that, I was all in for. When Markel got drafted number one and you thought about the impact you assumed he'd have, you weren't necessarily competing for the same spot, probably, but was there a thought after that draft where you said, okay, I'm probably going to end up somewhere else? That thought definitely creeped into my mind, but I also knew the Sixers wanted to keep me, so I just didn't really know what to expect. And I'll go back to what I just said is, Markel can help you win a championship, then I'm all in for it. And and that was my mindset, and everything else was out of my control, honestly. What was your first day coming into Sixer training camp? I think there were like, you were like the seventh string quarterback, right? Like, you guy goes to spring football, and there's like these, you know, quarterbacks from all over Texas, and here you are, like the option quarterback, trying to figure out how I'm going to play here. What do you remember about your first day putting on the gear? Does that day stay with you? Yeah, I talked to this to, about to my best, one of my best friends, Nick Stauskas, all the time. Have you ever seen the movie The Replacements with Keanu Reeves? Yep. It's kind of what it felt like, kind of just the guys that were there just to <laughs> keep the program at bay until we kind of took off. And I asked him on my first day, I was like, do you think I have a chance? And he goes, I don't know, man. There's You're one of seven point guards here. Um, just play really hard and, and see where it goes. And and I kind of said to myself, you know, screw that. You know, I'm going to make this team and, and, and prove everyone wrong. How long did it take for you once you're in camp and you start, you know, I know what you're doing in there. You're picking up guys full court. You're doing all the ways you're going to make Brett Brown notice you, the front office notice you. Was there a point where you said they are noticing me, like I'm making an imprint to these guys? Or did you not know if you were at all? Yeah, I had no idea, but in the back of my mind, I said to myself, I want to do things that others don't do to stick out. Um, first one in the gym, last one to leave. Like you said, pick up people full court. And I still do that because I think there's something to be said about people that play that incredibly hard and you know pick people up full court. And I'm telling you, I've seen it firsthand. People hate when you do it, so that's why I do it. What guys, are there guys you've sort of targeted in your time in the league where you just go, like they see you check in and they know, like they can't just, usually, you know, someone's going to pick you up and get past midcourt and you see the sort of like that shoulder drop or a long sigh of this guy's going to, like, he's going to make me run up and down. So I'm pretty good friends with D'Angelo Russell and last year I distinctly remember I subbed into the game and I, and I picked him up immediately full court and he just looks back and goes, come on T, not today. <laughs> and, um, I always laugh about it and I'm not sure he even remembers that he said it, but 
that kind of stuff just sticks with me when you know you kind of pick up a guy full court and he asks his shooting guard to come down and bring it up <laughs> instead so you you feel a sense of gratification when people do that your rookie year you make the team brett brings you in tells you we're keeping you did it feel like like you've seen it in the movies right you've seen it on tv shows in the movies where they bring the guy in is that what it felt like or did you have any sense that they were going to keep you so i thought i had a a really good training camp and a really good preseason with the team um i had probably played the best basketball that i could and i knew that they really liked me and i thought they were going to keep me but when you hear that after fighting through everything that i have and the path that i've taken it still was almost a surreal moment like you have to take a step back and sit down and being from pittsburgh not many guys make it in the nba so i thought i always going to make it i was always going to make it but still hearing that come out of coach's voice um pretty special moment that i won't forget i remember watching your opening night in boston and you sub in and you know usually when a rookie subs in they're gonna go at you but they really went at you right (laughs) i honestly i've said this to jj before it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life and kind of had one of those gut check moments where isaiah thomas in my opinion, one of the most unguardable guys that I've played against. And you got a coach like Brad Stevens. They called a play as soon as I checked in and Isaiah came off, scored. I come back down, Boston brings the ball back down, and I look over at Brad and he goes, again. (laughs) And Isaiah gets someone a lob. We go back down, don't score. And I look over at Brad and he goes, again. And I'm like... Oh my goodness gracious, like, and Isaiah scores again. And I think I got subbed out after that. And I was like, welcome to the NBA. Like, and people laugh about it all the time. It's like kind of welcome to the NBA moment. Is the hardest thing, once you get in the league, but to stay there, but to keep your confidence, because there's going to be times when that happens and you have to be mentally to the next player. You can't, because you are, you know, they're great players. They're going to make plays. And I remember talking to Joe Dumars once about covering Michael Jordan. And Joe was like an all-defensive player in the league, and he covered him as well as anybody. And his thing, the key to covering Jordan was, he's going to do something unbelievable on you, and it's going to stop the arena. He goes, you got to get over it in a second, right? And was that the lesson you have to learn early on to just, you got to get to the next one? 100%. I think especially in the way the game's played today, you're not going to shut down a superstar. They're going to get theirs, like the James Hardens, Stephs, KDs, and, and all the great players, LeBron. You're not shutting them down no matter what you do. Um, it's My mindset is making it as hard as possible, wearing them down. And the Joe Dumars thing, like you said, they're going to do something amazing next play and making it just as difficult as you tried to play before. And um, that's really all I can say about that, because if you worry about the last play, you're going to get eaten alive. After a long and grueling regular season and battling through the playoffs, the basketball finals are finally tipping off this week. Can Kawhi keep the magic going for the Raptors? Or will the Warriors' run of dominance continue? Either way, it's going to be amazing to watch, and I can't wait to see how it all turns out. 
But that's not the only thing we have to look forward to. DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, is having its biggest online basketball contest ever. Listen, if you've been thinking about trying DraftKings, now's the time. With single game showdown, there's two and a half million dollars in total prizes up for grabs and a grand prize of one million dollars. And here's how it works. All you have to do is draft six players from Thursday's game, one captain, and five other players. You get points for rebounds, assists, points, and more. With your captain earning 1.5 times the points. It's that simple. Six players from one game. Just stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Go to DraftKings.com or download the app now. Use the code WOJ and enter the all-new Single Game Showdown Contest this Thursday to compete for the $1 million top prize. That's code WOJ, W-O-J, to compete for the $1 million top prize. Only at DraftKings. The game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. You grew up in Pittsburgh. Your dad's a high school coach. Your aunt, Susie McConnell, who I was telling you beforehand, I remember watching her at Penn State when I was in college. She was an unbelievable scorer, player, and she went on an Olympian and went on to be a college coach. It was all over your family. You know, and you stay home to go to Duquesne. Duquesne, in the Atlantic 10, it was, you know, I think they were trying to turn a corner then. You go to Duquesne, and you would have been an All-Atlantic 10 player. I think you already were by your sophomore year. The idea to go to an Arizona, to go to take that kind of a jump for that kind of a program, and I imagine, I imagine there might have been people saying to you, you sure you can play? I mean, usually their guards are pros there in Pac-12. Like, was there even any resistance from people? Now, Sean Miller is a Western Pennsylvania guy. I know there's some ties there, but did that feel like a big leap for you? Absolutely. You know, kind of in every aspect of my life, there's been naysayers, but I've always had the bigger picture in mind. When I was transferring to Arizona, I knew it was a great opportunity to try to win a national championship. And that's the only thing I've ever wanted to do is just win. And, you know, I kind of, I thank Duquesne for my time there, but the exposure that I was going to get and to be able to play at a school like Arizona to compete for a national championship is all that I ever wanted. When you finished at Arizona, you thought your future would be what? You thought like, where am I playing basketball next? You, I imagine you thought you'd probably took you overseas. You were going to chase the bouncing ball for a while, right? That Was that your idea at that point? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I didn't really focus on that. There's something that Coach Miller said to me when I was in college that it's kind of stuck with me, and it's why I've been such a team guy first. He said with team success, you know, individual accolades will follow. Because I was like the seventh guy on on the roster that people thought that I was going to go to the NBA. So all I did was try to help us do whatever it takes to win and see where it goes from there, and, and, and it's worked out for me. The game-winning shot you hit against the Knicks over Carmelo, it almost felt like the end of Carmelo. Like <laughs> I remember his reaction to it was like you felt like things were bad in New York and you guys – Losing you guys at like you knew that at that time, it would create a crisis in any team that you guys beat because nobody was supposed to lose to you guys. I always kind of felt that shot. You make that shot over Mello, and you start running around the court, and did that sort of? You don't know if you're ever gonna have a moment like that in the NBA. You're just trying to get some minutes. And what do you remember about that night? That win. 
So I remember the entire game leading up to that shot. Once that shot goes in, I don't remember a thing. Pretty much blacked out. And watching the replay of me running around the court like a moron, you know, it's embarrassing to watch, but also for me, kind of one of those moments where the program kind of took off from there. And just seeing Joel grab me the way he did after the game and it was a special moment, but like I said, it was an important part, in my opinion, for us taking off. And although we didn't finish the way we did that year, you know, it was, it was a good chemistry piece, to say the least. What is the bond like for the guys, Brett Brown, Joel Embiid, you, you know, Robert Covington until he was traded? What was the bond like for the guys who've been in this thing from the beginning of it? Is there something different there? I mean, absolutely. Um, I think someone told me I'm, I was the longest tenured sixer um, after the game against Toronto. And so just seeing Joel's reaction and, and how Brett was after the game and, and myself and, you know, Cove. And we've been here, like I said, through the dark times. And to see where it's at full circle, um, there's a sense of pride and togetherness from what kind of building from ground zero to now and I feel a sense of pride in that those early years it always kind of looked to me like you know we all read the book the lord of the flies in school where the kids sort of took over the civilization yeah. the, the, that the sixes are a little bit like the lord of the flies there were no grown-ups it was a bunch of young guys put together right yep. and Brett had to sort of chaperone it did it feel like that because it was so different than any you hadn't experienced anything else in the NBA but you looked around it's like well there's nowhere else like this yeah, and, you know, in Brett's, we call it a Australian accent, there would be games where we just didn't have the talent. Brett's coaching his butt off, and he goes, I'll coach you better. And <laughs> I'm looking around as like, what more could you do? Like, we just don't have the talent to win right now. And that's what I respect most about Brett is – like I said before, he always had the bigger picture in mind. I think he knew we were going to turn a corner at some point. So for him to say, you know, I'll coach you better is, you know, humbling for me to hear. And 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 that's why I respect him. Joe Ingles told me when he first, you know, he went to camp with the Clippers. But once he was with the Jazz, he was like, every single time I check in a game, like the guy would start like calling for an ISO like clear out and he was like come on this is an NBA game it's not anyone I can and that he would go through that initially a lot Joe's bigger yeah. you're, you're smaller obviously but did that sort of stop after a while where guys in the league started to take you like McConnell's not going anywhere he's an NBA player he's here like we're not treating him that way or do you still fight that all the time I'm sure you know around the NBA circles I'm I'm looked at as I belong I think my body of work's there and, and what I've done, but you know, the outside world, that's a different story. Um, that's why I can't worry about it. For me, it's what can I do to affect winning? And that's really all I try to focus on is being a great teammate. I know I'm skilled enough to do it and I want to just have that effect on players where they look to the right, you know, yeah. where I'm next to them and they're going to go to war with me and, and I take pride in that. I think, TJ, and you, you can laugh at yourself a little bit. You can know, yeah, I'm different, and my story's different. But I imagine there's also a part of you that's like, but hey, wait a minute. There's guys who are taking the lottery in the first round who are out of the league now. 
I've got staying power. I'm an NBA player, so I'm not going to make too much fun of myself. Like, I've earned my way. Is that kind of a fine line sometimes where you want to go like, all right, make your jokes, you know, I don't look the part, blah, blah, blah. But wait a minute, look what I've done. It becomes more annoying over time. Right. I think you kind of nailed it. Um, for me, you know, kind of making fun of myself is, you know, it gets to a point where you're like, all right, like, I get it, but at the same time, like you said, my body of work speaks for itself. And for me, anyone that tries to discredit that, I don't think is very, very smart basketball-wise, if you, if I can say so. To think about what free agency will look like for you this summer, listen, you're going to have options. You're going to have multiple offers, you know, and it'll be a question of, you know, you'll negotiate and you'll try to get as much as you can and, you know, there might be a place that you really want to play that's offering a little less than a plate, whatever. But, like, you're not going to be sitting around waiting for someone to make an offer. Like, I think my sense is there'll be a lot of interest in you. Is that just for you who has fought every single day to feel like, I think every day you go to the gym, you think about, I've got to earn my way today. Is that almost an odd feeling for you, given the way you fought to get into the league, that all of a sudden you're going to be a guy with options now? Absolutely. And, and, and there's also a sense of gratification there where hard work, you know, really pays off. And, but that doesn't mean I'm going to sit back and relax. Uh, that's just not who I am. Um, you know, I'm obviously going to try to improve, you know, a quick in my release. Um, I didn't shoot many threes this year, but you know, I did a lot last year and shot it at a 43% clip, but just got to get my release quicker and, um, just work on everything that I can and and got to let my agent kind of do his job. And, you know, I kind of just I want to be at a place where I can make the most impact on and off the court. And um, that's really what I'm focused on. Do you look at like Draymond Green can name every single guy that was drafted in front of him. He'll do it in order. Do you notice when a guy from your draft class gets waived, drops out of the league? Like, do you pay attention to it? Not as much as I should. Um I'm not on Instagram or Twitter that much and you know I I I don't go on the hoops hype stuff and but I still remember guys from my draft class and the league is a scary thing. 4 years or or 3 years I think is the lifespan of the average NBA player and anything beyond that um is great but you know I can't really focus on that. I just got to focus on getting better and and being at a place where I can win a championship. Do you get, like, when you get mail for, like, you go through your, get your mail in your stall or you get somebody tweets at you, whatever, I know you're not as much on social, but, like, do you feel like you become, like, the patron saint of every small guard everywhere? Like, hey, if TJ McConnell can make it to the NBA, what? Like, I look like him. Right. Like, do you start to find that as you make your way in the league? Yeah, I mean, when you have a, a kid come up to you and be like, I work extra hard because of you and, you know, you've given me hope and, and all this stuff. It does feel good, but I want them to know is like, it's really, really, really hard. And the time you have to put in is incredible. You have to be a great teammate, do all the little things and kind of reverting back to what you said, being one of those 450 players in the NBA, it's hard. And and it's even harder trying to stay there. 
If there's one thing I'm sure of, it's that nobody takes their shoes as seriously as NBA fans. From the classics to today's new releases, the market is always hot. But if you're buying sneakers online, there's more than a coin flip's chance that the shoe you're looking at is a fake. So how can you be sure it's real? Well, now you can buy in total confidence with GOAT.com. GOAT.com is the safest way to buy and sell authentic sneakers online. They're the largest marketplace in the world for authentic Yeezys, Jordans, and over 600,000 sneaker listings. They've made the whole process frictionless and trustworthy. They do this by only accepting sellers with the best reputation and by verifying all sneakers to ensure their authenticity for buyers. Every detail is inspected, from the stitching and color to the size and weight. GOAT certifies that every pair of sneakers on their site matches exact factory specifications. With over a half million sneakers on the platform and 10 million users, you won't find better prices for verified 100% authentic sneakers anywhere else. So find your perfect 100% authentic sneaker at GOAT.com slash Woj. But you've got to go right now before the sneakers you want are gone. Once again, that's GOAT, spelled G-O-A-T, dot com slash Woj, W-O-J. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about Metro by T-Mobile. Did you know that with Metro, you get access to a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S.? Yep. Metro has coast-to-coast coverage, so you can catch the game on the go on your phone. Plus, with Metro, you save big, and I mean really big, up to 1200 bucks a year. Plus, Amazon Prime is included. So why pay more with those other guys? Check out Metro by T-Mobile and get coast-to-coast coverage with big savings. Discover why Metro is the smarter way to wireless. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. What was it like with this team this year? When Jimmy comes into the team, big personality. Tobias comes. Now you've got like a, you know, another high-level player to go with. And, and with JJ, a starting five was as good as anybody's. What were like the sort of the incarnations of that team this year in terms of like guys figuring out how to get along, how to play with each other? We're almost. How do you remember that part of the season going? And this is what I don't think people realize is for the guys that weren't traded or didn't come in. From a trade, we played with three different teams this year. Obviously with Robert and, and Dario to start, and then we trade for Jimmy and Justin. And then we get Tobias, Bobon, and Mike. So it, it's really hard. You know, like you see, I think we lost our first game with uh, Jimmy there, and then our first or second game with Tobias and, and Mike and Bobon. It's hard to, to gain chemistry so quickly. And... And that's why I have to give our coaching staff a lot of credit, and obviously us. We started to play really well towards the end, and I think that's the chemistry started to click. And like Tobias and Boban come as like a ready-made. They come like you wrap them out of the package, same package deal. right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we we always tease them. You know, Toby and Bobby, and wherever Tobias is, that's where Boban is, and vice versa. Um, it's a pretty cool dynamic that they have. You know, kind of like best friends and. You know, I tell them that they have nothing on me and JJ, though, so and everyone laughs. <laughs> what did it have, like, I think you've talked about this, but you didn't really have veterans. Or, like, every rookie comes in, and I'm sure you look around and other guys, like, yeah, there's a vet who takes them under or somebody whose lead you followed. You kind of just came in and said, all right, I'm going to – I sort of got to figure this out, right? There's no one – there really wasn't anyone for you to say, 
all right, I'm just going to like walk in the locker room and do what he does. Yeah. So for me, Ish Smith coming in really helped me, but I don't think I really got, I considered someone my vet until JJ and Jared Bayless came in. Those two really took me under their wing, kind of told me what I need to do to stay in this league and, and have helped me tremendously. And I'm forever grateful for, for all of them. What did you not know or did you not even think was important until those guys came? It, it just, it, it's a work ethic thing. You know, I always thought I was working hard, but those two said you can be doing so much more, you know, whether it be before practice, after practice, taking care of your body, diet. It's, I mean, I could write a book about all the things they taught me and there's so much and, you know, that's why I, I am so grateful for them because they've helped me so much along the way. Yeah, JJ is so routine oriented, uh, right? Like if you see him pregame, he is in a trance. Like that's not the time to, Hey, say what's up, man. Like he's no. in a trance, right? Yeah. He is so methodical about what he does. It's, he's always foam rolling, taking care yeah. of his body and like, it's going to sound like a broken record, but like the way he eats, it's, you look and you like, that guy's 35 years old. Now I know why he plays at the level that he does. And you you kind of take that stuff in and be like, I want to do that when I'm when I'm his age. I still want to be able to do that. And to be able to watch what he does, it's it helps you out a lot, and it's remarkable. Do, do you watch? We we're talking about the combine. We're at this sort of this pre-draft, basically just like open jump shots and layup lines. Nobody's really doing much, but. When you went to the combine, I know you were kind of a late. You sort of got in last, last, like literally my last guy. Last, you paid your way to Chicago. So they they not to cut you off. They essentially said, pay your way, and if someone drops out, you can you'll be the last entry. And I paid, and that and someone dropped out, and that was how I got in. So the first thing you do when you get to the combine is you do the athletic testing, right? Yeah. So you know you're going okay. This is. So you do what? You do the vertical. What are all the ones you go through? Wingspan. Right. Yeah. So I don't want to kind of sound like I'm ragging on myself like we yeah. talked about before, <laughs> but, you know, they're doing like measuring the size of your hands, your reach, all this stuff. And I'm like, this isn't the type of stuff that's going to get me <laughs> drafted or make an NBA team. Like, can we just go play five on five? And, you know, it's super embarrassing. Like I, I have the smallest hands and I think – my wingspan is, it's not, it's nothing great. And then you do the vertical, nothing great. And I'm like, then they're like five on five is up. And that's where I knew I could make an impact playing with a team and, and, and impact winning. And that's the thing too, is nobody, you know, listen, fewer and fewer guys every year actually want to play five on five. And I think especially with your skill set, you could, people are, were going to notice you because you could go in and organize a team because it's hard to go in and because everyone's just trying to jack shots to try to, they think that's what, the NBA right. people want to see it isn't necessarily like you're not coming here to be James Harden for us if you're at the combine, right? right? But once you started doing that, and it was a lot of probably a lot of guys you competed against in college. I mean, was that where you felt like okay, I'm I'm accomplishing something by being at this thing? Absolutely. You, there's a sense of accomplishment going to the the combine. You know, there were obviously guys that were left out that that could have been there, and, and and I was I was one of them that was able to go and. Like you said, just being able to go five on five and showing what I can do to impact winning, running a team and, and getting people open shots because that's what point guards do in this league. That was kind of what I set out to do uh, throughout the entire thing. Your dad's still coaching. 
Yeah, he actually, I always tease, um, he switched to coach, uh, my sister. He coached, I think, 20, 25, 26 years men's basketball in, uh, at, uh, Chartres Valley High School in Pittsburgh and, and he switched to coach girls, um, and won a state championship this past year with them. Did you get a few text messages from your sister going, how do you handle dad when he does A, B, or C? So I hear this all the time, like, like she was like, how is it going to be? And I'm like, I'm not sure. And they said he's changed. You know, he was really, really intense. And that's made me the player I am today. And he would always get on you if you made a mistake. So it's a funny story. I'm at one of their scrimmages. And obviously... High school girls, you know, if you if you yell, like you don't know how they're going to react uh, in comparison to high school boys, and I you don't even know how high school boys are going to react. That, that's either. true. He's yeah. made high school yeah. boys cry. <laughs> so this girl makes a mistake, and I kind of peek down to the end of the to the bench and and see how he's going to react. And he goes, "Oh shoot, it's okay. Uh, just get back on defense." And I kind of sat back in my chair and I was like, "Where was that when I was in high school?" <laughs> It's hard to be coached by your dad, right? Because you like you always. Where does player coach start and father son end? Like Al McGuire had a great line about it. He said, "It's easy to coach your son if he's really, really good or really, really bad." Right? You you were really, really good. That does make it easier, right? Yeah, I mean, you love playing for your dad, but there were times where it was hard because we would we couldn't leave it on the court. I would play bad and, you know, he'd get on me and I wouldn't speak to him for a couple days. And, you know, it was an awkward dinner to say the least. And my mom was always the mediator and trying to get us to talk. And I wouldn't take back playing for my dad, but it was also really hard. Um, the times where I didn't play well and, and we didn't speak for a couple days. Well, it sounds like your sister's probably got a better end of this. Um, free agency, like it's six weeks away. It's coming. It will be a wild free agent class. You'll be in the middle of it. You'll you'll be either either you're staying in Philly with, I think it'll be a really good. However, it's constructed. You're still gonna have a really good team there, or obviously you're you're somewhere else. But uh, teach. Thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for spending the time. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thanks to our guest today, Sixers guard T.J. McConnell. Remember, you can listen to new and archive episodes of the Woj Pod on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com or wherever else you get your programs. And, of course, a big thank you to our sponsors. Be sure to support them the way they support us here at the Woj Pod. We'll catch you next time.